Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. I'm going to read from John chapter 15 and then Romans chapter 5. And so good to see so many familiar faces, a lot of people here today. We've missed you if you haven't been here in a while. We're glad you're back. <laughs> and uh, so uh, John 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Romans 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you that there's no name greater than the name of Jesus. We just ask your blessing upon this message, Lord, upon your, your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise team did an amazing job, as usual. And they're, they're going to be helping me out a little bit at the end of this message. Uh, so... Uh, uh, I'm wanting to talk to you today on the thought of a public display of affection, public display of affection. And uh, I guess it's been uh, just a couple years, probably after Heather and I got married, a few years after we got married, we, we saw someone wearing this shirt that had uh, the, the scene of the crucifixion, it had the three crosses, and it had that on the bottom, public display of affection. And... Uh, so uh, Heather actually got some of us the shirts because she can find anything that you need. She has a way of finding it. But, uh, you know, it's the shirt carried a lot of, uh, it was powerful for me just to see it because uh, there's a message there of the love and the affection that Jesus showed publicly for all of us, for you and for me at Calvary uh, and for the whole world to see it. And uh, we've all seen public displays of affection uh, some we wish we haven't seen, but we've all seen to some degree, uh, whether it's a, you know, a, a young couple with puppy love or if it's an older couple, um, if it's a toddler with their, with their parent or, or whatever, or people with their dogs. It could be, it could be uh, uh, anything. Um, I'm not going to ask. For, I was, I, it's always a possibility to ask, what do, you, what do you think of when I say the public display of affection? But I'm not going to because you get too many crazy answers. Uh, my uh, my uncle, uh, Brother Keeter, was preaching a message one time years ago that I'll, I can't remember the message, but I'll never forget this moment because he was kind of getting on to men for uh, disrespecting their wives. And he said something about to the effect of uh, quit coming up with bad nicknames for your wife. It's not funny. And then he said, uh, stop calling her a ball and chain. Stop calling her... Um, he said another one. I think he may have even said battle axe or something like that. And then uh, he, 
I think he lost his train of thought. So sometimes when you lose your, you, it's easy to do when you're up here talking. You, this looks easy. It's not always easy. Sometimes your brain's in three places at one time. And so sometimes preachers ask you a question to kill some time. And he made the mistake of asking the question. I know y'all have got nicknames. You know what I'm talking about. Go ahead. Give me some of them. And this guy about... Uh, probably about one, uh, about half the row from me and one row in front of me, he yelled out in the middle of a Sunday morning service, old heifer. <laughs> he caught an elbow to the ribs real quick from his wife, and then she busted out laughing. So I don't know if there was a story behind it or not. They're still married and doing well, but uh, it, it took my uncle a little longer than he thought to get his train of thought back to him after that comment because everybody started laughing. So we're not going to go there because we've all, we, we've all seen some crazy public displays uh, of affection in some way. People just, they, they show, they sh it could even be showing your support for a, for a sports team. We just got through March Madness and uh, Talmadge actually took me to a basketball game. Thank you for that. And we went to go see... Uh, Pitt play Iona State because uh, the coach at Pitt played high school basketball with Talmadge. And so they were playing, and they were the lower-ranked team. So the Iona State fans, they were all geared up. And there was a, they had a lot of older fans. And uh, these old people had on – older people, I shouldn't say old people. These older people, they had on Iona State pajamas. They had on those crazy hats that make you look like you have wild yellow hair. And there was one guy, he was, was kind of standing by himself. I'm pretty sure he did not drive himself there, but he had on shorts with big, long Iona State socks and a pointy, some kind of weird pointy hat. I mean, they went all out so that everybody would know who they supported. And then they call us fanatics. But anyways, <laughs> but they, they looked crazy, but they didn't care. It was a public display for everybody to know what team they were rooting for, what side they were on in the matchup that was uh, about to happen. So whether it's something that we thought was sweet, like the older couple holding hands or uh, the little toddler kissing mama on the cheek or whatever, um, or with their, their pet, we've all seen it. Maybe it was a display that irritated us because it was something that shouldn't have been displayed in public, but uh, we've all been there especially uh, the men. You've been somewhere and there'd be a public display of affection and you act like you didn't see it and your wife points it out to you and says, how come you never hold my hand like that? You've all gotten it. How come, how come you don't look at me that way? Or, or you're in the restaurant and they say, did you see that couple over there? He's kept eye contact with her the whole time and you're looking at the TV above my head checking the score. Yeah, or you're on your phone. Um, before I get, get, keep going, Heather and I were at uh, the mall one time. And this, Heather, come up here a second. You can just help me with this. I saw this guy that I hadn't seen him in probably 10 or 15 years. And he, uh, to my knowledge, he never had a girlfriend, ever. But he had gotten him one. And he was proud of it. And so uh, they're in line at Chick-fil-A. You know, Chick-fil-A's got the longest line at the food court at the mall. And he was like this. <laughs> he was locked in. And he, yeah, he was... 
talking to her in line like this, I mean, like face to face. Well, and so he's like this. And every time that's, that's their turn to move up, they're like they're in a three-legged race. He, he won't, he's, he's not going to let go. He wants everybody to know whose woman this is. And so he gets up there to order, and she's getting upset with me because I'm laughing at him back there in the back, but a lot of other people are just staring. And uh, he gets up there to order, and he won't, still won't let go. And he ran into a problem because his wallet was in this pocket that he had smashed against her. And he couldn't get to it with his left, with his left hand. I can hold that mic. He was like this. And it, he looked like a dog chasing his tail in the middle of the mall. But he was not going to break that connection to get his right hand in there. He wouldn't do it. But, so it took him a while. The line's getting longer because it's Chick-fil-A. And then he finally gets the wallet, pays the lady with one hand, gets Why his food. she reach her pocket? Carries because the, they weren't married yet, Heather. Oh. He, he gets his tray of food. You can go, you can go, you can go, go sit back down. He gets his tray of food and watching them try to make it to the table in the food court was pretty entertaining as well. They made it. They finally separated and sat down in different chairs and enjoyed their, their meal. But the point is we've all seen some type of public display of affection uh, whether it was comical, whether it was sweet, or whether it was irritating. However, the greatest display of affection that's ever been shown or that ever will be shown was what Jesus did for each and every one of us on the cross at Calvary. His, uh, his sufferings were a public display of His love for all mankind. Every blow that His body took, every time that He was spit upon, or spat upon, however you say it, every time that he was struck in the face, every drop of blood that he shed, every second he was on the cross, it was a display for the whole world to see how much he cares and how much he loves us. He didn't have to do it, but he, but he did. He did because he loves us and he wanted to restore us to right relationship with the Father the way we were always meant to be. John 10 verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. No one took his life. He laid it down because of his love for us. He did it willfully, and it was a public display of affection that the world will never forget because it's just as powerful today as it was over 2,000 years ago. And so what I want to do today is just take a quick look at some of the wounds that he suffered to display his love uh, for us. And we know from the, uh, everything that he suffered from the thorn-pierced brow to his nail-pierced hands and feet to the spear in his side, everything that he, he went through. And so the first wound was uh, the wound of concussion. And uh, we didn't hear a whole lot about that years ago, but now there's concussion protocol for everything, for every sport. Uh, they, do, they, don't, they don't take any of it lightly. They take it very seriously. Matthew 26, 67 says, Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists, and others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hits you? Chapter 27, verse 30 says, They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. So Jesus was hit in the face with blow after blow, 
uh, from the soldiers, from their hands and from the reed. And just imagine what that was like. Just imagine the pain, the bleeding, the swelling, the ringing in his ears, the humiliation that he was, that he was going through, all that they were saying to him while this was happening. But every blow he endured because of his love for us. The second wound was the wound of laceration. Now, laceration means to cut or to tear uh, the flesh. Now, this happened uh, when they took the cat of nine tails and began to lash his back over and over again. Now, think about what this scene was like. They took Jesus, they took him out, and they tie his hands to, to the poles or to the whipping posts so that they could beat him. And these were not the hands of a man that was deserving this type of treatment. These weren't the hands of a, of a murderer or a felon or a criminal or, or even a bad person. These were the hands of an innocent man. These were the hands that brought the dead back to life. These were the hands that touched deaf ears and they could hear, blinded eyes and they could see. They could touch men on the tongue that had never spoken and they began to speak. These were helping hands. These were loving hands. And now they're tied to this whipping post and after tying... His hands, they began to whip him with lash after lash after lash, with each strike lacerating his back and his ribs over and over and over. The next wound that he suffered for us, for all to see, was the wound of uh, the penetrating wound. A penetrating wound is a wound caused by a sharp pointed instrument. And this is what he suffered when they placed the crown of thorns on his head. Now, this wasn't the little briars like we have in our in our woods. And you know how bad that can hurt when you're not paying attention and, and catch one of those to the throat when you're going through the, through the woods. The thorns that they used on Jesus had sharp projections on them up to four inches long. This crown of thorns was more than just humiliation. It was severe pain. It was, in, it was intense pain that he had to go through for everyone to see. Matthew 27 and 29 says, And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The fourth wound that he suffered for each and every one of us was the wound of perforation. Perforation occurs when the skin and bones are separated by an object, and this is what happened when they pierced his hands and they pierced his feet. The nails or the spikes, we should say, that were driven between the bones caused separation and the perforation of the flesh. And this was actually a miracle, the way this happened. See, although they drove the nails through his feet and his hands, causing this and severing tendons and ripping muscles and tearing the flesh, not one bone was broken. Not one bone. If one bone would have been broken, then he would not be the Son of God because it was prophesied in Psalms 34 verse 20 that none of his bones would be broken. But see, we know that he is who he says he is. He was who he said he was, and he still is who he says he is. He's alive, and he continues to, to care for us, and that's why we're celebrating today. The last wound that he suffered was the wound of incision. An incision is a deep cut produced by a sharp-edged instrument. So this wound was the last wound upon the body of Jesus, uh, even though he, he had already proclaimed it is finished, he had already bowed his head and given up uh, his spirit, he suffered one more wound for each and every one of us. Imagine what it had to be like that day. The mob standing there and they're kind of, they're trying to figure it out. They're almost dumbfounded that the Savior has already expired so soon. They didn't expect him to die this quickly. And then this wound is going to be inflicted by the practiced hand of a Roman soldier. Uh, 
someone that knew what they were doing, opened the side of Jesus. See, none of the other wounds had satisfied this crowd because this crowd was blood for thirsty. They weren't satisfied with his scourging. They weren't satisfied with him being beaten. They weren't even satisfied with him being crucified. They wanted his blood. They wanted it to be, they would not be satisfied until every last drop had been spilled. And see, they thought that by opening his side that they were going to stop the message of Jesus. But what they did was open a fountain that no one can close. The fountain that flows from Emmanuel's veins. And the flow of this, this, this fountain started the day of Calvary, but it still has not lost its power. It still continues to flow. It still dissolves the sins of mankind. It still washes away our iniquities. See, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from, from all sin. And so the scene at the cross that day was one of the most horrible scenes of human history, but it was also the greatest public display of affection and love that man will ever know. There's a story I read of a husband and wife that got caught in a storm. They decided to go for a walk, even though a storm was coming up, so it was more than likely the husband's idea. And this storm comes up, but unfortunately, they thought there was just going to be rain, but it ended up being a hailstorm. And so he's trying to figure out how to get his wife out of the storm without her getting hurt. And so he's trying to cover her uh, up while they're walking away, but the storm just keeps getting worse and the hailstones are getting bigger and bigger. And so he, now he's already bleeding from his ear and a little spot on his head. And he realizes that they're not going to get out of this storm that it was a bad idea to go on this walk. And so he just covers her and gets on top of her and has to wait this thing out. And so the hail got worse and worse, and he's getting hurt pretty badly. And he's able to, to shield her from all this, but when the storm was over, he has all these cuts and sores all over him, and he has all these abrasions on his body. And he ended up being left with scars that uh, were never going to go away. And we're going to forever remind him and her about that time that he saved her from this hailstorm. Well, a local news station heard about it because the storm was so bad in the area. And they decided to go interview him. And they went and spoke with the man's wife. And they asked her what it was like with the experience. And she said, every time I look at the scar on his head, the scar on his neck, and the scar on his ear, I love him even more. Every time I see the scar, I love him more because he sacrificed himself for me. See, at Easter, people don't understand why we always have to talk about the cross. I, we're here to celebrate the resurrection. We're here to celebrate that Jesus is alive and, and lives forever and reigns forevermore. But we always talk about the cross. See, it's not easy to think about how bad the scene was that day. But when we do, when we think about all that pain and we think about those scars, it should make us love Him even more. It should remind us of His love for us. And I'm just like the lady in the story. Every time I think about the cross, every time I think about Calvary, I love him more because he sacrificed himself for me. He took what I couldn't take. He did what I was unable to do. Jesus stood and covered us just like that husband did. He covered us with his love and he shielded us from the hell that we deserved. And he did it because of his love for us. He was wounded for us. Jesus didn't come to set his kingdom up by force. He came to set up his kingdom by love. And he accomplished it. He conquered all. He's the king of love, and his love never fails. See, his love and his affection was on display for, uh, at the cross for all the world to witness. 
and to see. See, there's another public display of affection that he did during this time. See, Jesus could have risen on the third day and just left the tomb. He could have just went through the wall. He could have just went uh, through the top. He could have just teleported. He could have done it any way he wanted to do it, but he didn't. As a public display of affection for the entire world to see, the stone was rolled away and the grave clothes were still there. He left them behind. He had risen just like he said he would. So he's alive and he continues to demonstrate his love for us over and over and over again. But the question is, is do we take the time to see it? Do we actually take the time to see what, what he's doing? See, many times we spend all of our time seeing what we do instead of what he does. And it's not just when it comes to church. We do, we're kind of selfish as human beings. We're self-centered. We focus on ourselves. And, 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 and I don't care how good of a spouse you have. I don't care how great your marriage is. You spend about three days and only focus on everything that you do for them and see what starts to happen. You'll be fighting like cats and dogs. You, you, you're not going to get along well. When all, but yet when it comes to the Lord, most of the time, what do we focus on? What we do. If we're reading enough, if we're praying enough, if we're making sure we're not sinning too much, if we're not, whatever, whatever it is. But all that, fo what about the focus being on Him and what He's done? See, when we do that, that's when we begin to, to realize uh, how special it is, the relationship that we can have with Jesus. Because uh, our focus is not on Him the way it should be, we have a lot of good people that just cannot be content. They can't experience that, that peace and that joy that comes from a relationship uh, with Him. See, if we would just focus on Him and we would just think about all that He's done, we would realize that no matter what type of personality you are, it doesn't matter who you are here today, no matter what type of personality you are, everything that any of us could ever want is found in Him. Any desire that you could ever have. Now, I, I'm not talking about sinful desires. I mean all this in a good way, but think about this. Some people, they have a desire for recognition. I'm talking about in the good way now. I'm not talking about someone who's just, uh, you know, going all crazy about themselves, but they have a desire for recognition. What more recognition could you want than to be chosen by the King of Kings and have your name written in His book? Some people have a desire for fame. How could you be any more famous than to be part of His royal family? Some people have a desire for wealth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Some people have a desire for possessions. The whole earth is His and the fullness thereof. It's all His. Some people have a desire for power and for, for influence. And remember, I'm talking about in a good way. Well, He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. Some people have a desire for peace. He's the Prince of Peace. Some people, they just want to be loved. He is love. And some people are just looking for friendship. That's their whole desire. He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, Jesus meets and fulfills every one of our desires. But many will never see it because we can't get self out of the way. We're so focused on all we've done. I don't care how good you are here today. You've done nothing that could compare to what He's done for you. Sometimes we get this... We think everything has to be such a, 
I guess, a big deal uh, with us because we need to be so super spiritual. But maybe this has never happened to you, but this has happened to me a few times. But the other day, it, it hit me pretty hard. Um, do people ever ask things of you and it just gets, it kind of just aggravates you? And um, some, and it was nothing. It's the smallest things that can really like get under your, you just, you just had that day for some reason. And uh, someone was, had asked pretty much nothing of me, but I just started doing this whole thing in my mind about, man, you're always having to do something for somebody. You, have you ever done that? You have your own little complaining session in your head, and it's like, I know this person's never going to do a thing for me, and they want me to do this. And, I, you know, over, you, you, you know what I'm, I can't be the only one. And so I'm, I'm having this thought in my mind about, man, here we go again. I got to do something for somebody. And, uh, and immediately the scripture just started coming to my mind and they, when, when they said, Lord, when did we give you something to eat? Lord, when did we give you something to drink? When did we clothe you? When did we take care of you? When did we visit you? And he said, when you did this for the least of these, you did it as unto me. And so I immediately had to shift my focus off of me. <laughs> for a little while, anyways. And, and, I, and, you know, that same moment that just had me aggravated, I just turned around and I just started saying, I said, Lord, thank you for sending me a least of these. Thank you for putting a least of these in my past so that I could serve you by serving them. It still was a little aggravating, but I, it made it easier. <laughs> and see, sometimes what we fail to realize is there are a lot of people out there, they may be real successful in this area, but in this area, they're the least of these. In this area, they're the least of these. It, it, it could be, and we all have that area in our, in our lives. And, and, and God reached out when all of us were the least of these and put on display for everyone to see his love for us so that we could have relationship with the Father and we could have a love for him that would then spread so that we can have a love for one another so that we could reach out and help the least of these and let them see how amazing Jesus is over and over and over again. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.